football. And I realized that I'm using my knowledge of football and my life experience to coach these kids. So I coach them every day uh, from four to six. But then we talk about philosophies, capitalism versus socialism. We talk about ethics. Uh, can I tell you, my sister Nancy, I probably derive more joy uh, coaching those kids and actually making money coaching people and building community with family, you are listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For anyone who is new on our platform, this is a space that allows myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of an immigrant status. We unlike the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe, like, share, and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. Today, I am sitting down with an amazing gentleman a brother now who is impacting our community in very inspirational way um who are we sitting down with today we're sitting down with mosito ramayili he's a visionary cultural marketing leader dedicated father husband co-founder of brooklyn stars football club we're going to talk about that all around a representative of africa excellence welcome brother how are you i'm good my sister how you doing today Mulishan? <laughs> wow you just made my day <laughs> nice. it's a it's a it's an honor finally make my my debut uh the concrete pastures sitting here in the concrete jungle so it feels like it's all um it, it was a matter of time so it's an honor for me to be in dialogue with my sister Oh my God, for anybody, translation, Mishani means how are you in one of our languages in Zambia. My language is Lozi, it's close to, I think, Zulu, one of the languages in SA, which is Muchwani. That's how we say hello with us. Oh. But, yeah. Muchwani, that's that's actually very similar to Amamosoto. We say Bojoang and Isitwana, which is geographically close to Zambia. What is Muchwani and Zim? Uh, like it's the same thing. So, I mean, we. I think one thing about as Africans, um, first of all, borders are made by the colonizers, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the other the other thing that we have to accept is that we're all part of the Bantu uh, group of languages. We all migrated down from like the present days are here. So like all so it's no coincidence that you pick up a lot of Swahili and Zulu and Swan and Sutra and all these languages. Sure. We all we all connected but I obviously like I said like you know it's just the practices the partitioning of Africa we consume uh, ourselves according to these borders and these names that the Westerners have given our land. But be that as it may uh, use Zambian I'm so African but I'm happy to to be coming to you, my sister. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. You are impacting our community in a way that is so positive. And um, I wanted for you to share your story with us, uh, for us to be inspired by the work you are doing in our community. Um, but for starters, you were doing amazing mm-hmm. in SA. How was life in SA? And uh, what yeah. got you to moving to the US of A? To the US? Um, look, I mean, SA, I always regard Africa's paradise on, you know, it's heaven on earth. Uh, we, I mean, it's, it's a I agree. Like the cradle of human kind. Like, I think for us, we, with, with all the beach that it has, I think for me, we always talk about the human capital. I think as Africans, uh, I think our humanity and this Ubuntu, which is this humanist philosophy that we are led by, um, Ubuntu uh, literally is loosely translated as I am, I am because we are, right? So as Africans, uh, 
uh, our humanity is defined by how we present uh, our humanity to the next person. So we kind of want to be assholes. So that's why uh, as Africans, especially with diaspora, it's, it's important that we espouse all these virtues because the narratives, we don't own the narrative, right? Because if you look at the narratives and stuff like xenophobia, all these things. So that's why for me, as you're saying, uh, the work that I'm doing, honestly, it's, it's, just, it's a calling, you know, as, as, as Africans, uh, Fela Kuti always said that as us, we're messengers of our community. So like, uh, so we see that uh, the narratives of our countries and our continent are on a larger scale are, 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 are not congruent to what we know, what we see. It's incumbent on us to say, no, hang on, Lusaka is not like that, Livingston is not like that, Kampala, Uganda is not like that. I've been there, you know, so that's why for me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a true African in the sense that I, 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 I know our story. Our story didn't start at the, you know, the Dove Norwich and Gori Island in Senegal or in Ghana. And like, our, our stories are way before that. We're, we're, we're coming to North America and trading with, the, with these people a long time ago. You go to Mexico. We've been traveling, like, you know, so um, so it's on us to change this narrative. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely incumbent. So that's why, uh, as an African, as a proud African, um, it's, it's my calling to do this. No, it's, it's really beautiful. For me, mm. who follows you on social media, <laughs> every day is so inspirational. Like, I have Thank even, you. like, I took a screenshot of what you put yeah. literally a few minutes oh, ago oh, and oh. I'm like I'm gonna ask him for anybody who's not following him please do <laughs> you will be inspired oh. um, but before we get into the mm-hmm. degree, how yeah. did you get to come to New York let the people oh, know oh, how, you oh, get, oh. how you came here yeah New York uh, so I was working in South Africa uh, my role back then was a brand director for Nike um, Nike Africa was a title so I was working in the football category so my markets were South Africa Nigeria Algeria Morocco and Egypt so my role was to um, I guess I was uh, what's the English word I guess I was the evangelist of Nike in Africa so um, so one of the things that I did one of my biggest accomplishments that I really took pride in I signed the Nigerian Football Federation to Nike and if I can tell you um, it was a mission to convince people in Portland that to take a bet on an African nation for them they thought that oh there's no spending power there's not this there's not that and for me my argument or rather my repartee because you don't need to argue when you're speaking for Africa because the facts speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh, it was simple. Like I said, listen, guys, there's are over 120 million Nigerians in Nigeria. There's 200 million in the diaspora and there's anything about Nigerians. They have pride in that white and green. So if you're not going to back the most populous nation on the continent, also one in every third black people in the world are Nigerians. So you actually are doing a disservice to this brand. So, um, so it's a two-year process. So sorry, I, I, I know I talk a lot, but this is between 2015 and, 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 and 16 when we're having this conversation and when Nike finally came to the realization that Nigeria and Africa is actually a, a, a destination or a market that people actually have spending power. We then um, we, we then uh, launched the World Cup jersey in the 2018 World Cup jersey. I don't know if you remember that, that, that famous Nigerian jersey. We sold 3 million units um, in, in the space of 30 minutes. Those jerseys were, were, were out of sale within the first hour of going to sell. So like that showed you that Africans do have spending uh, ability. You know what I mean? So for me as an African, as a part African, like working for these, these big corporates, like for me, like I've always made it a point to, to just take a claim for my continent, for my people. So I'm, I moved to New York purely. Um, so I, I had some success for Nike on the continent. Then they moved me to Nike UK. I worked very closely with the English Football Federation. I ran a program called Nike Academy. And the premise there was that all these kids, uh, so the insight came from South Africa and Southern Africa. We, all these talented African kids, like they're not going to get signed by Orlando Pires, kids and cheese and all these clubs. But yeah. then it's not to say, it's not to say they're failures. So for me, working at Nike, the insight was that why why don't you create a platform that gives these guys a second chance? Um, you know, uh, and coming out of that Nike Academy, uh, we had trials. We had five thousand uh, kids.
Americans from Johannesburg and surrounding cities show up. And out of those 5,000, we, we truncated down to 100. Out of those 100, they got to stay and uh, they were part of this program for a year. And we're traveling across the country playing those professional clubs in South Africa, in Southern Africa, with the hopes that they'll get signed. And out of that, we have five guys that are playing professionally. One of them plays for the biggest club in South Africa, uh, 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 Keza Chief. So these programs, so there's evidence that we have talent on the continent and it's us to, to create space for, for all these talented uh, kids up and down the continent. So I came to New York as a messenger of Africa uh, and opening pathways through football uh, for my people. So it's, it's, it's very consistent who I am as a person throughout my life. You know, I'm a child of an Africanist. My mom was an academic. My father's a lawyer. So we've always been taught uh, as a family to look inward. Uh, what solutions are you providing for the continent is always the first question I ask myself. Wow. No, you're, mm. um, you're definitely representing uh, because you. meeting you at the Heritage Party where we we met a week or so ago. Yeah. It was amazing how you are such a storyteller and how you are passionate about representing the African continent, not just South Africa itself, the continent mm. itself and mm. how we have to act as Africans and how we have to tell our stories uh, and not let people truly tell our stories when they don't really know yeah. Africa. Like yeah. we, so the representation is definitely there. The football space, you've been in the football space for a while. The post you yeah. just posted, you are a football star. I used to. I used Sorry, to I'm nosy. You know, <laughs> no, 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 you're not nosy. You know, um, you know, that was my dream growing up. I had dreams of being a football star, you know, and, and, and I did everything to get myself there. So growing up, uh, out of high school, I made the South African under 20 team. Uh, and then I got a I got a contract. I was signed by a, a football club in South Africa called Jomo, Jomo Cosmos. Um, but then being a child of an academic, uh, my mother, so I, my mother sat me off and said, listen, I'm going to let you pursue this football team, but it better make sense. Uh, but then my mother being my mother, so they had us staying at some hotel in downtown Joburg. So my mother, uh, so just to give you context, so my mother used to stay three hours out of Johannesburg in a small town called Mafiteng. So Joburg, obviously, you know, African mother is the big city. And then so she came there, like she just saw the living conditions, you know, and then uh, she's like, you know what, it's not going to work out. So my mother uh, had come to the US in, in the 80s on, on a scholarship uh, yeah. to study. So then she quickly arranged a scholarship for me to come to the US. So I went to a school in Alabama and HBCU, historically black university, Alabama and then to study marketing on a football scholarship. So wow. here, here I was at 18, I have just signed my contract and then my mom's like, you know what, rather get your academics, football's not going to go anywhere, which is probably the best thing that happened to me because I then came, I played four years and in those four years, I was the first team All-American in my, my junior year. So I got the recognition. Right. Uh, I got, and then I got to go back home play. Unfortunately, I tore my ACL, but then luckily for me, I had a, I had a degree to fall back on. So then I quickly realized that if I'm not going to get paid to play football, I'm going to get paid to work in football. So I used my knowledge of the game and my marketing degree to sort of get back into the football space and sort of influence the game uh, differently. And then I think that's always been the insight for me that as much as you, you, you don't get to, it, it, it's the same in art. And that's why in, in marketing, a lot of people grow up wanting to be actors and musicians. Yeah. But then actually the money is behind the screen. Even in football, you don't have to be a player to have a career in football. You can be an administrator, be a commentator. So like a, a big part of what I do in my life is to show people like the solutions. So I'm a big uh, believer in providing solutions. So my life 
I've always been around Smith and I've still been. So football is very integral in my life. It will never go away. Like I always say football is like because my mom knows, my wife knows when Arsenal's playing, uh, I'm not to be disturbed. Me and- no, I'm seeing, I'm seeing you guys were playing, I think the other day, yeah. uh, your team was playing and I love the encouragement that you're giving. You know, you lose yeah. some, you win some. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yes, I, I yes, love yeah. that. Yeah, I also, I know what you talk, you're talking about the high school team that I saw in my commitment football and in my commitment to mentoring and legacy. So legacy is a big for me. I realize that as I work for myself, you actually do have time. There's this, uh, uh, this, this notion that, oh, there's not enough time in the day, but there's actually time. So I've carved out three hours of my day. So between three, uh, so I'm lying. I coach between four to six, but between between three to six, I dedicate. So like from three, I, I, I put my laptop away and I start like lesson plan like these kids that I coach. So I coach a high school team, uh, a school, Berkeley Carroll in Parkstop in Brooklyn. So for me, the inside there, I wanted to touch these young boys for the real world gets to them, right? Because I think between high school and going to college and then getting in corporate, like something happens where between philosophy, idealism and reality, yeah. we lose our way. So like I, I was using my experience and like that's why I want to go back. You know, and I, back home, I, I remember so they say young hands reach out and old hands reach in. So I'm reaching into these young kids as these kids are reaching out because they want to, they love the game of football and I realize that I'm using my knowledge of football and my life experience to coach these kids. So I coach them every day uh, from four to six. But then we talk about philosophies, capitalism versus socialism. We talk about ethics. Uh, can I tell you, my sister Nancy, I probably derive more joy uh, coaching those kids than actually making money coaching people and building communities with adults because adults are very jaded, man. And kids, kids are few. And like, and, and you realize that kids, like, they're so honored. And that's what I love. That's why I love being around them. And that's why when I coach them, as much as they lose games, I I, I, I always leave the fact that, guys, take lessons from this. Because here's the, the truth is that you're going to lose a lot more than you're going to win in this life. So if you're going to get disappointed by losing your high school football game, then, then you then you lose in perspective. Perspective is, did I give my best? Did I, did I, did I, did I, did I? Was I of service to my teammates? Was I a fair sportsman in losing? You know what yeah. I mean? So like, for me, that is what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in, 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 in guys that are going to win and gloat and show off. Because for me, winning, for the most part, it, it, it masks so many deficiencies in people. We see all these winners in society, but as human beings, they're terrible. You know what I mean? I'd rather have well-rounded young kids and human beings that see themselves as part of a solution versus people that, that walk around this alpha uh, behavior thing that they're better than everyone. There's no glory in that. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I think a lot of uh, our kids need the mentors that mm-hmm. have been through it and they've been through life and they're able to mentor them, especially uh, boys and girls. Not mm-hmm. not even like just the boys. Boys and girls, we, we need a lot of role models that are going to teach them like failure is part of life. Mm-hmm. Because we beat ourselves up, I think we take it hard because of our culture now as to we have to win. I, I was recently talking about this because even school is made up that way, that there's always going to be a winner and a loser. So if that's what is being put in our children's heads, they're going to grow up that way as finding failure as the worst thing ever. And if we're teaching them that failure is a teachable moment for you, you're able to get up and learn from those mistakes and not just to make it as yeah. a failure. And, and it's a great point, right? And that's where culture comes into play, right? Because in our cultures, there is no such thing as winners and losers. There's wisdom and those that are not wise. But in the Western society, so the Western society says that in order for you to be great, there has to be a loser. Mm-hmm. But the but the world is telling us that is not right. That's why, I mean, I'm not going to go into the territory of politics, but you see what's happening in the world, like this whole homogenous uh, mindset where the West, this paternalistic mindset that the West has had towards the, the continental South, Af- the South, 
Africa, Asia, South America. People are saying, no, we want a multi-polar, but like, reckon me as a peer. And that is what life is about. Like, this whole notion that second place is a loser, that is terrible. If I'm, if I came second, that means I did 99% better than everybody else that competed. If I came last in a race with eight other people, that means I was the eighth person to make it there. 50 other guys couldn't make it to the starting level. So, like, it's all about how, how we, how we, 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 we reimagine. Language is very important. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We need to re, we need to reframe these constructs and we need to realize that we are as, as also us Africans we we, we, we we are living in we are living in a construct that is not innate to us it's foreign like we're living in a western construct that is foreign to us as Africans first of all if we you love Zambia we first of all we're talking in English that already is like like so we as Africans like we we are we we, we pawn so much of our Africanness that we, we actually forget like what it is to be an African you know what I mean and that's why we judge ourselves according to western construct by me being an assistant brand manager I'm a failure because I'm not a brand direct things like that do you know what I mean yeah but that is what society has brought to us and we just go by whatever society is it's just and, we have to continue to support each other by reminding each other no you did it you did good and, and, and that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying I'm saying that we shouldn't frame ourselves and we shouldn't judge ourselves according to standards of society because they are yeah. not true they are not real not true. you know and, 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 yeah what is real what, what is sorry what is real is that every day we make incremental uh, 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 improvement mm-hmm. that is what I'm interested in you know what I mean incrementally I'm, 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 I'm more confident to be in a dialogue with you versus maybe last week I was nervous too. like that is even, that is what we should be judging ourselves on as human beings like how, how are we incrementally as yeah, a society yeah definitely the growth the yeah. growth how are you um, I'm going to take you back How when you got yeah. to New York I know you yeah. being in the US was not first time but New York is animal by how were you able to integrate yourself here you know from rand to dollars yeah. how was that look, adjustment look, look I mean from rand to dollars um, like it was tough that being said but culturally I think the, the, the cultural assimilation was the toughest as well because you know when you come from like a city where like you're the main guy and then you come here you realize that everybody's the main guy from where they're from and when they came to New York like you have to earn your stripes and yeah. I think that's the beauty of New York but like you have to earn your stripes so the city will spit you it'll chew you it'll kick you it'll do everything but you realize that you have to get up every single morning and that's what I did like I honestly I'm one of those people like I, I just I just love people I'm, I'm a curious human being so I'd meet somebody from Ghana who, who would in turn introduce me to a person from Gambia who in turn is a friend from Kenya all of a sudden I have I have a network yeah. and then the next day I got out, there's a guy from Brooklyn who knows somebody from Bronx so like it, it, it's about like putting yourself out there so and I think a lot of us as Africans you know we, we come here with we think oh my ex and I sound different they're gonna laugh my clothes actually fit me they're gonna you know what I mean like so it's, it's a lot of these things that we tether ourselves so I, I had the same struggles in the first 18 months of the toughest you know what I mean yeah I was I was yearning for go home by the way I got back when I got here it was just about to be winter so now it dark at 4pm I'm an African I'm used to sun yes. till 8pm you know you're on the subway people are not even greeting you you're used to greeting everyone even strangers greeting you your neighbors can't even offer you sugar so culturally it was a shock and mind you because for me I had I, it, so it was 6 years from the last time I was here so yeah. I had to like re- I had to remember all those things that oh man it's like this again so New York was definitely tough but once it starts opening up you find community so that's what so for me that's why I'm a big proponent in creating community because you realize that it's such an easy scaffolding you can't depend on your job uh, your, your colleagues at work to like help you assimilate so like yeah. so, so it, it's, it's about putting yourself out there like also my friend just keep like it's about finding uh, an, an interest point so for me it was soccer and football and music in Africa so those three things that is, that, that is how I was able to assimilate so I, I 
want to meet around those intersections. No, that's beautiful because it's definitely New York is a diverse state. You yeah. find everyone from everywhere here, mm-hmm. and the the same challenges. We all have gone through the same challenges. Being homesick. Right now, yeah. I have a sister that just came from Zambia. She is mm. homesick mm. on some days. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I told her like, this is the 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 growing pains yeah. of being an immigrant. Right. It's mm. part of it. But right now, it, it's amazing on how um, the communities that we now have. Like, I joined without meeting you before I met you guys. I actually joined the community, the South African, uh, New Jersey, and New York. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting the stuff that they talk about in there. I'm like, I joined just because just I was curious. I was like, mm-hmm. let me see what other communities talk about. But how has being part of the community helped you? Because for me, it helped me tremendously because I'm able to learn what other people are going through and what's going on in our own community, our cultures. And uh, even when there's like an event, someone will divide. This is the event I'm having to keep that culture alive. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's, it's definitely, it, it helps with the homesickness. It helps with the, it helps with being engaged with what's happening at home. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's it's actually different because I, mine is almost like an, uh, an uncle or leadership role. Yeah. So for me, because I, I, people come for me for all sorts of reasons. Like you have people like that have visa issues. Yeah. Like, so like you realize that it's a home away from home. It's it's a literal home away from home. Like in the sense that even my house, I invite people to come in for a meal once a week because we cook because a lot of guys like they're students, like they don't even have like a home cooked meal. So you realize that like there's a lady, like and I'll just give you an exa- a practical example without mentioning names. I mean, career wise, she's a chartered accountant. She works for one of the biggest houses here, accounting firms. But she says so she she joined the group last year in 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 April, the first week of April. Yeah. She said that has she not heard of that group the last week of March? Her bags were fully packed. Uh, Nancy, she was ready to go back to South Africa. That's how much stress she was. So she had lived here for six months. She hadn't come across a South African. She hadn't come across food. She hadn't even come across anybody from Southern Africa. And then she says, by chance, one day she was on Instagram and she saw this group, South Africans in New York. And then there was a WhatsApp group. And she says she got into the WhatsApp group. She says the jokes are similar. Like people talk about stuff from home. We're, we're, we're just about to have a cricket game. She came there, dripped in the colors and the flag. She had food from home. And now she's one of the drivers. She's a leader in the community. She was actually on the panel, by the way, my friend. So like, so you realize that like this, these communities, like they literally give people like the second win uh, as, as, as a diasporic living uh, uh, away from home. So like they, 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 they crucial. Like they, they literally like the lifeline of people away from home. No, that, that that's really beautiful. I yeah. was um, looking also since doing my research, you have been on the social media. What does uh, Munzazi clothing? Mzanzi. Mza, Mzanzi. Mza, Mzanzi is colloquial for South Africa. Slang. It just means South Africa. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is that your Mzanzi, clothing line? No, no. Uh, you talking about Matosa. Are you talking about the socks that I wear? What in particular are you talking about? So you were doing a shoot where you had... Um, oh, that, that's uh, that's my friend from Kenya. Kimat got a, got a brand called Jamuri. Ah, and then Mzanzi yeah. was the t-shirt. Yeah, so what he did, like, he actually has a Kenyan, so he had a, he had a, he, he created a reg, regional specific, so he had like a Nigerian one, so he got a Nigerian brother who he thought like, oh, wow. exemplifies Nigeria, so like for him, I was a representative of South Africa, so like he created like a special Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. No, that's, cool. that, that, that's yeah. beautiful. That was cool. Yeah. And I saw, I'm yeah. like, oh wow, why are these t-shirts or whatever stuff being sold? Yeah, it's a, yeah, Jamur, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful African brand, uh, J A M H U R R I Jamburi. It's Swahili for freedom. Um, he's actually an interesting brother. You should get him. Uh, he's actually one of the first, one of the, the pioneers in terms of African street.
street brands. Uh, as as early okay. back as 2002, he had Jay Z on summer stage wearing his brand. He had Akon. So he's been one, way before it was cool to be African. He was there. So for me, also, um, Nancy, I as a philosophy, I, from the top down, I only wear African brands. So this is Daily Paper. Uh, so that's why I only wear. So like I, I'm an I'm a walk advert for Africa and, and, and my friends. So you realize that these clothes that we wear, they they, they they say something about you. As much as you wear in the concrete box shirt, that yeah. says something about you. So for me, when I walk out, like I'm a representation of my so that's why I always wear uh, brands uh, that are black owned. But my priority, my prep always first to wear brands that are owned by Africans. Is it because you understand how um, branding works? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you, 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 you said it earlier, uh, being a storyteller, you know, I, I, I'm from Nike, I'm from Yam Brand, so like yep. I'm a classically trained marketer, so everything you tell, everything you say is a story, from the shoe that you're wearing, from the shirt that you mentioned, with the shoe, the sock, it's a story, so for me, I always try to tell a cohesive African story, so like my clothes are a representation of the people that I represent. So today you posted something on social media, like I said, guys, whoever is not following him, please do follow. Uh, you were talking about how we are not the same um, and you had the African map on there and um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you you asked and you responded but for anybody who's not following you on social media I think this would be a great opportunity for you just to to be in depth with what you say Um, so I'll make it as to you you were asking to ask um, do you feel deep within you a strong bond of being an African I'm I'm adding to it over there yeah yeah, absolutely I mean I, I, I'm a fan of the great uh, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, uh, the father of Pan-Africanism, uh, uh, the first president of Ghana. He said that um, you are not African because you're born in Africa. You're African because Africans born in you, right? Um, so for me, I, I, I have the privilege of both. I was born on the continent, but Africa is born in me very much. So like our story is very much what punctuates me, what drives me as a person, you know? Um, so I, I very much identify with, with the people of Africa uh, very much, um, you know, uh, uh, um, che Guevara used to say that if you tremble with indignation, then you're a comrade of mine. So for me, like our stories are so much steeped in uh, the narratives that I wrote. So like as a storyteller, as a marketer, as a child of Africa, I identify very much correcting uh, all these misnomers. David Livingston didn't find uh, the Victoria Cross. So like so part of me uh, identifying as a storyteller like that. That's why I left Kofo back and doubled down and served Africa and served underserved communities and tell these stories the right way because until lions have a biographer, tales of hunting will always glorify the hunter. So that's why African stories have always been told through the lens of whites and whites saving us. So let me not say whites, but Westerners being our saviors, which is not true. David Livingston, he was lost when he found those Musiwatunya. They're called yes, Musiwatunya. Those yeah. Yes, he didn't discover them. So it's up to us that know to correct these misnomers. So I very much identify with Africa, my sister. I I, uh, I, I think I'm, 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 I, 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 I'm the living embodiment of Marcus Garvey, Walter Rodney, Guyana, Kuruma, Cabral in, in, in Guinea, even, you know, even Kaunda, like all these people, like they all left me, like if you had to cut me, like they spirit, their blood causes through my veins as well. Believe me, I, I saw it uh, the first day I met you. And when I went on the social media, I'm looking, you have the blanket, I don't know, the, um, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm, I don't even uh, yeah, know what, I'm, what it's called, uh, but you had it on the train, I died. Yeah. When I saw that <laughs> picture, I was like, oh, 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 this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's called Siana Marena. It's 
it's a it's a traditional Sasutu blanket. Um, in our culture, the the color of your blanket dictates your 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 standing in society. Uh, so it's interesting if yeah, if uh, in popular culture that those blankets were seen in that movie Black Panther. Uh, That's so what that it reminded me of. It reminded me of that, Black Panther when I saw the blanket and when you got yeah. on the panel, you got the yeah. blanket and tied it yeah. up. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so uh, Ryan Coogler, the director of, of, of Black Panther, he spent a year in the sort of researching. So, if you watch that movie again, like it talks about mountainous people, blankets, a wise leader. Those are Basotho, King Mushesha, the first king of the Basotho. He's known yeah, as the most yeah. diplomatic African uh, leader. You know, the sort is mountainous. So, for me, it's about taking back our narrative because if we're not careful, people will think these blankets come from Black Panther. But we've been, we, my people have been wearing those things since the 1500s. You know what I mean? So, it's part of, it's about, it's about me taking back the narrative of, of who I am as a person. I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's my pride as an actor. It's winter, guys. These things are effective. I wear my blanket, take it off. Why must I wear layers and layers? We're Africans, guys. We, we've had solutions. That's what I'm saying. Like, we have these solutions, but it's just that we, we've been afraid to shop as Africans in the West. So for me, I'm not afraid to shop as an African. I, I'm authentically very African. Yeah, no, beautiful, beautiful. It, it, yeah. The thing is, I was just proud to see <laughs> that. I'm like, this is actually on the train. Okay, yeah. on the train. Yeah. Can I can I tell you what's funny? Uh, at some point, I think about two months ago, it was cold, and I wore there was something here in a Columbus Circle by Times Square. So you know me, I wore my blanket. I was on the train, and then we got to the part. This guy's like, "Yo, man, I don't know what that is, but we need to get it to export." The hour. He's like, "Yo, my guy." So you realize that these things that we think they they embarrassing, like they inspire other people. Yeah, no, definitely, no? definitely. Yeah. And being New York, the, the city mm. of diversity, and people can see mm. an opportunity mm. anywhere. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, no, that yeah. is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So you are out of the corporate space. Yeah. How was that coming out of the corporate space? Because a lot of us are struggling here. Uh, it, it was, look, the the, the, the the tension points are always there. You know what I mean? Like the secure salary versus entrepreneurship and all these things, right? But for me, honestly, uh, it was, like I said, for me, legacy was becoming a thing. So I turned 40 in, 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 uh, in April. So like the last two years, I've just been asking myself, was my legacy going to be that I was a global a head of account management at DBDO and I worked on I worked on Facebook for Mark Zuckerberg and I moved yeah. them from Facebook to Meta and Starbucks but I realized my legacy I want my legacy to be that you know what that guy man he, this is what he did for the continent and I realized that I have the network I have the experience I have the expertise why don't that so I literally I realized that I can affect these solutions for, for my people I don't need a corporate backing or these resources but if I can if I can collaborate at the intersection of my discipline other peers a guy who could be an accountant or a designer we, we, we can have we can have these systems without having to have a corporate structure so I think honestly my friend what my, my, my advice to people is that while you're in corporate you should be using that to like for the next move you can't be stagnant right so test the world test entrepreneurship as a corporate like test, be a podcaster for a few months if it's not working then go back and go to the like refine yeah. keep refining like I, I just didn't wake up and say okay this morning I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna resign it was it was a, it was a conversation that I had been having in turning for five years, asking my mentors, asking my partner, you know, like, is this the right, is this the right, the right decision? But I realized that the future is African. I'm an African. I'm an authentic African. I live, I, I live in, I live in a city that takes like, if, if people, people sneeze in New York, the world catches a cold. And, and I realized that people are looking towards my continent and I live here. Yeah. It's, right it's now or never, you know, I re- it was actually now or never. Next, if, if, if as a business person, if, if, if you're a person of some mind, like you fancy yourself, if you're not looking towards Africa as a solution, then you then then you, you're punching in the dark because the future is very much African. If you look at the numbers, population.
population-wise, we, 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 we are home to the youngest population. If you look at the, if, even like spending power, we're spending more. If, if you look at the, the size of the middle class, what's happening in Africa is, is, is quite unique because in the West, the more money families are making, they're having less kids. But on the continent, the more money we make, we have more kids. So that, so what, what that is telling us that by 2030, Africa is going to be exporting that the largest middle class. So we're not going to be coming to the Western ships and, and, and begging and, and jumping walls. They're going to be permanent to hire us. So it's guys like us that see that the future is African that are taking the risk right now and paying the pathway for the... Because I'm, I'm nothing compared to these other guys that are coming after. They're smarter than us. They're hungrier than us. Yeah. They're, not, they're not as jaded that you know what I mean? Yeah. No, so you, you, you're definitely so right. You're definitely right. Yeah. I'm not sure if you attended um, Busi and um, her team uh, Benga organized mm. the US Africa Business Week. Yes. I attended two days of that. You, Oh my God. The mm. representation from Africa, the opportunities mm. that we mm. have is mm. mind-blowing. The mm. investment opportunities mm. just it, from all over the uh, Africa. Absolutely. And, it, and, and, and yeah, like, the, like it, 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 you know, it'll be it'll be parochial if I said blue sky because sky has a limit. Like it's actually limitless the opportunities on the continent. You know, I'm like with, within within two months of having left, I picked up two key clients. I picked up so in the tourism space and the sports space. Like that's where I, that, that's that, that's, that's where, where you I, are. I've honed in because what I'm doing is that a lot of the ministries of tourism on the continent. I'm saying, guys, you are barely you are barely scratching at the surface of the beauty of South Africa. So to, you need to be amplifying this thing. Like you like Lesotho. Like for me, like it was simple. Lesotho was in Black Panther. You guys are not even talking about hey these blankets. I see no Black Panther. We're from here. Something as simple as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now, like, because we live in the West and we see how much of our countries and our cultures are inspiring them, I just simply get on the phone and, I, and I'm telling these guys, that's how I'm getting business. So it's about being, being having your eyes peeled open here in the West and looking for the opportunity and then taking the opportunity and then going back home. Because as you know, in Africa, people are not going to give you things on a silver platter. You also have to prove to them that you're actually worth your, your you know, your pound and salt. And I'm just like, yeah. it, it's such it's such a beautiful challenge for me. Like, I, I am, I'm challenging myself as an entrepreneur, but I'm also challenging the status quo. Like, I, I'm fully alive right now. You know what I mean? No, oh, I think you're going to do phenomenal. You're already doing great. Uh, you've done great in, in the corporate space. And this is just you giving back, but seeing opportunities from here, taking them back home, which is great. Are you going to Zambia? You know what? I'm supposed to be in Lusaka in November because I'm going to Joburg. I'll be in Joburg by the end of this month because I've got some business there. But uh, Lusaka, Lusaka, I need to be there. I have so much family there. Great friend of mine is a guy called Kalusha Wali. I don't know if you know him. Uh, he's, a le- he's a legendary football player. Um, I know him so well. He's, yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah, he's a great friend of mine. Um, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get into, I'm trying to do some work with Zifa, do some some football stuff, also tourism. So it's a, it's a matter of time. Maybe maybe me and you can do a podcast out of out of Lusaka on the Zambezi River. One, one of yes, I am down for it. I am so Let's down. Go. Just call. Uh, uh, we're, we're down. Uh, I'm no, down. we should do that because I mean, I've got this thing called, I don't know if you've heard, I've, I've got this uh, South African event called Pianos in the Yard. Uh, I'm a piano. We curate like uh, every second son in the backyard. So so part of me going back home, we're also going to, as, as much as we presented this experience in, in, in New York, part of our message, the guys here, we're saying as much as we do, better to experience it in South Africa in December. So yeah. we, we have over 30 guys coming to SA in December, but part of doing that in Jova, we're going to Botswana, we're going to have a Yanos in the Yard, they want to go to Lesotho, Maputo. So literally, it's, it's I'm, a, I'm exporting culture both ways. You know, it's, it's, it's a true exchange of culture. So as much as I we live it. here, you, we you, want them to come to our, to our place in December. I'm Yes. Now I am down. I, I, I love it. it. You've just shocked me how small the world is, huh? It's very small. You know, you know, you, and, and 
and that's what New York does. New York, New York takes away like fear of scale, and I think that's what's inhibiting a lot of our our our, our peers back home. On, on. Like, we think, oh, if I'm in Lusaka, how am I gonna get that guy in Kigali to get to the guy in, in Lagos and London? But here, you yeah. realize that it's actually a WhatsApp text away. Yeah, by tapping by tapping into the diaspora, like I have a sister who's Zambian who has a friend who see who's a sister who's who's got connections yeah. in Uganda. You know, like it's that simple. It's that simple. And that's mostly what I do. I I send yeah. a text. I send WhatsApp or mm-hmm. an email, or, and it, it just it. happens. It just happens. It. No, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. when you're gonna be in Zambia in SA. Uh, definitely, we can do a few episodes. Um, I am down to showcase what you are up to. I, I'd love that, cause, and and I think I, I'd love that, and and maybe like we 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 tell them making it like a tourism piece, like we should like maybe the backdrop is like something beautiful because we have to show the beauty of our continent as we as much as as much as we talk about the beauty. There's a there's a, there's an element of us showing it, right? Like in advertising, like we say show and tell. And I think a lot of a lot of and and I think it's 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 more so for the Africans of the diaspora that live here, right? Like we know how beautiful Zambia is. We know how beautiful yeah. the the the, the Zambezi is. But we need to show these people. They they've been to Paris because they see it in all these movies. So it's up to us storytellers. And that's why my social media, I'm intentionally only speaking about my continent. Oh my God, you are very yeah. intentional. I love yeah. that you are intentional yeah. about that. Yeah. And um, it, it's really like an inside of what people should know mm-hmm. about who Africans are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you go in there every single day, like mm. literally, do you manage your social media? Yeah, by myself, yeah. I'm intentional with my language. Like I, I read that like, because I'm, I'm a reader. Beautiful writing. I, I love words. Thank beautiful. you so much. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Such Thank a storyteller. You. Like I, I'm you. like, wow. This is, <laughs> yeah. no, really, really good. Thank uh, you. Thank you could literally make a book just from what you are writing every single day. And it's every like few hours you're posting so yeah. it's really amazing no I, I really appreciate I really appreciate that because you know um, part of part of that is also cathartic for me I'm, I'm reminding myself of the beauty of our people honest and as, as I do that you, you'll be surprised about the number of people that say Mosito please don't stop because you are reinstilling the pride that I that I was taught we don't have as a people and you realize that you know for me I thought I was doing it for myself but you realize and, 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 and I'm not saying I'm doing it for other people but you realize that there is connection in language there's connection in shared desirability curiosity yeah. so that's what it's doing for me like it's actually put by my child my sister so I'm also finding so much joy in this so I'm not going to stop because I'm realizing that God has given me the ability to tell stories and like in that I'm educating other people that are seeking this education No, oh, beautiful yeah. since you're going to be December January African Cup is coming are you going to be yes. through that time with uh, your, your your friend yeah, Kalusha, I hope Mr. so Kalusha, I, yeah I saw uh, it's coming it's going to be South Africa for the first time I'll definitely I mean I would definitely to be there I've got a few friends in camp I'm going to be there for networking perspective but also just as a, as a, as a football fanatic you know yeah because you're in this space yeah. so I'm like are you yeah. going to stay the whole time from November to February right now my schedule has me coming back in, in January but I'll probably extend to like late then <laughs> no I'm, I'm definitely going to be there knowing myself I'm, I'm going to stay beyond it um, I'm, I'm, I picked up some projects in um, in Harare so I'm excited about that so uh, in late January so I'll definitely you know me you know honestly I'm up at Every morning I look, I check my inbox. Hope I got something driving me to the continent. I'm, I I always want to go to the continent. No, I love it. Is there yeah. anything else I have we haven't covered? No, I know we can't cover your whole life in an hour's uh, span. But is there anything you you have on your chase that maybe I have you wanted to share with the audience to get a better understanding of you? No, I mean not so much my on my chest, but I think if anything, I just, it's just a, it's 
just, I just want to impart some, you know, some words that life is to be lived, you know, and to live life, we have to find the, the, the meaning of, of what things are that, that we want to get out of it. So for me, like I said, my purpose, honestly, is storytelling and, and creating and amplifying Africa. So I think as a person, identify what your purpose is. And it's, it, it, it's not anything abstract, guys. If you if, if sometimes like what you love is what you love, double down on that. Double down on that. Well said. Well said. Yeah. You definitely amplify Africa. Uh, representation all the way. Have, have you found your concrete pastures? Do you feel fulfilled to where you are right now? 100%. You know, it, the timing of this question is, is crazy because had you asked me this a month ago, I'd say I'm still searching. But I found them. You know, the funny thing is I found myself again. Like, you know, like life is not a straight road. Like I sort of detoured. Yeah. So now like, so this guy was waiting for me. So that's why I speak with so much clarity. You know, that purpose was, this, that purpose was telling African stories and amplifying African stories. But most importantly, creating a pathway for African creatives so they can create uninhibited. And that is what I'm, and that is what I'm doing. My, 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 my purpose, I would say, from now until till God takes the gift of birth away from me, my life is going to be a love letter for Africa. And and, and, and and by that, I mean creating a platform for African creators to create because that's where the inspiration is coming from. We need to inspire the world and that is coming from Africa. And I realize that I'm the missing the creator process for these guys that I get to inspire. So I've definitely found um, a concrete customer. I love that. Love letter um, analogy of it. I love it. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, this has been so much fun I know we, we are going to collaborate on so many um, yeah. projects so this is not the last you seeing this man here he's yeah. going to be here with me and I'm excited on what we're going to be working on yeah. so I appreciate you this has been an honor thank you so no, much thank you, for making time thank you. thank you so much and thank you for creating dialogue you know what you're doing is very important uh, because you know Africans uh, we are messengers we are creoles you are messengers so you are creating a safe space for us to be ourselves so thank you so much man Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah. That's it on today's episode. It's truly an honor to serve each and every dreamer. Concrete Pressures now provides targeted services to dreamers coming to the US of A. We assist you to successfully integrate. We are here to support you as you write your new chapter. Kindly check out our services in the link tree. Until next time, keep dreaming.